Well, I sure appreciate it, Brother Ryan, and I thank God for him. And I want to say, first of all, that I'm very grateful for the opportunity to come and preach uh, this week of camp, and I look forward to God doing some great things in our lives all together. And uh, so thank you very much for the invitation. And this is my first time here to Ironwood, so this is all new, and I'm really enjoying uh, seeing what's going on here. Thank God for all the work that goes into camp. I believe in the importance of camp in a young person's life. And uh, in fact, it was camp that God used to change the direction of my life and called me to preach. And, and uh, you know, so I know sometimes people say, well, you know, people make decisions at camp that don't last. But, you know, uh, I take a shower and that doesn't last. You have to take another one. And so, but I'm glad that I do. And I'm glad others do, too. If you would, it really would help life here a lot, you know. But in uh, any case, I'm very grateful. Many people praying, you know, for this week at camp. Praying for you. Your, your home, your churches are praying for you. And uh, our church, Southwest Baptist Church, I mentioned uh, Sunday night before leaving. Uh, please pray for the young people here at this camp, that God might really work in their hearts and uh, use us in a great way. And so, you know, I already know a few here and looking forward to getting to know uh, many more uh, of you. And I know that God will. And uh, so in any case, they are praying tonight. In fact, my son is at camp this week. He's out in Indiana and and going to camp there, and, and so I know they're winding things down, and he's been praying for it. Um, but you know, what the Lord does here goes beyond just this week. Uh, it's, as we were singing some of the songs, which I enjoyed, I really appreciate uh, the message in those songs, the focus on Christ, and the, the big picture of things in terms of missions and what God wants to do. And uh, you know, if, if this week... If, if you would just even begin to have a personal, devotional time with God, if that's the one thing, if that's the one thing that comes out of this week, is that you have personal time with the Lord, I'm telling you, that will last you a lifetime and would be a real blessing. Now, I want to let you know that, uh, you know, my sermons, I usually preach about, you know, oh, you know, like Paul did, till midnight, and... Um, uh, but what I do is I shave off five minutes, oh, amen, and so uh, uh, we can go to midnight, or if you say amen, it starts coming down, you know, to just about, you know, 30 to 40 minutes, somewhere right there. Somebody say amen about that? Amen. amen. Oh, see, now we're rolling. It's awesome. Take your Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter number 37, would you please? Genesis 37, and would you stand in honor of God's Word tonight, and during the nighttime messages... What I intend to preach with God's leadership, and if in the middle of this he just says, really have had this, this series on my heart, I don't believe in coincidence, I believe in God's leadership and the way that he works things out. And so this week, I want to preach to you about this tonight, as we just really tonight, God helping us, just really want to lay the groundwork, the foundation, uh, and uh, the series title is this, The Convictions of a Godly young person. The convictions, and I'll explain what that means here in just a minute, but the convictions of a godly young person. Now listen, to live in this world and to stand for Christ, you're going to have to have some convictions. That's for sure. And so tonight, again, just to get things started, a conviction, you need to have a conviction about God's Word. 
Let's look at it tonight in Genesis 37. If you're there, say amen. 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 All right, Genesis 37, verse 1 says, And Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old. How many of you are 17 years old? Let me see. Raise your hand real high. Let me see. Okay, so imagine, here you are, 17. Joseph, that's how Joseph was. 17 years old, was feeding the flock uh, with brethren. And the lad was with his sons, the sons of Bilhah, and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Now Israel, which also is known as Jacob, Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a coat, a younger sibling, and you know exactly what that's like. Like your older siblings. Okay, see, bless your hearts. Bless you. Yep. So they couldn't even speak kindly to him. Verse 5. And Joseph, say this next phrase, sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf rose and also stood upright, and behold, your sheaf, and made obeisance to my sheaf. And his brothers said, said to him, Shalt thou indeed rule it reign over us? Or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? Watch it now. And they hated him yet the more for what? His dreams. For his dreams. And for his what? Words. For his dreams and for his words. Watch this, verse 9. We doing okay? Everybody good? All right, verse 9, look at it. And he dreamed yet uh, what? Another dream. He dreamed another dream, and he told it his brethren and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more, and behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. And he told it to his father and to his brethren, and his father rebuked him and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother selves to thee to the earth? And his brother envied him. But his father observed the saying. Okay, so now the story goes on. He's going to send... Joseph, to check on his brothers, maybe you know the story, I just want to do just a little bit more reading here while you're standing, and so he finds a man who says they've gone down to Dothan, and so let's pick back up on the story in verse number 18, all right? Verse 18 says, and when they saw him, so this would be the brothers of Joseph minus Benjamin, when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. And they said one to another, Behold, this what? Dreamer. The dreamer boy comes. Behold, this dreamer cometh. Now watch this now. Verse 20. Come now, therefore, let us slay. Watch this. And we shall see what will become of his what? Dreams. Let's kill him. If we can get rid of him... We'll get rid of his dreams. A conviction about God's word. Let's have a word of prayer here. When I ask you to let the Lord speak to your heart, would you do that? Here all week. Let's make the most of this time. All right, Father in heaven, we know that we need you. and fed good meals already, and, and I know many have worked in this camp for many years, as I've learned today. And uh, so we thank you for all the, all the ways that Everything is done, and thank you, God, for every young person here, and I know that your word is sufficient for the foundation to build on, 
that you might speak to our hearts, and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I want you to think about this phrase with me here to get things started. If you're taking notes, jot this down. A belief is something you hold. A conviction is something that holds you. A belief is something you hold. Okay, so we have certain beliefs that come, or they should come, out of the Word of God. Things that we believe. Um, I believe that this is the Bible, God's holy word. And from that, then I believe that Jesus came and our sins, and thank God that he rose again and that he's coming again, that he's alive today. Listen, that's the reason we're here at camp. A belief is something you hold. A conviction is that holds you. A conviction is something that holds you. They work hand in hand, and there's not a whole lot of difference between the two. But a belief is something you hold. A conviction, when it goes down deep, and it's something that you are convinced about, okay, when you're convinced about it, then it's something that will hold you in times of trial, times of temptation. How many of you uh, have been on a zip line? I know that there's one here. Maybe you've been on this one. How many of you have been on the zip line here? Okay, is it pretty awesome? I hear it's pretty good. Okay, great. All right, so uh, that's very smart, okay? So... I've been on the zip line. There's uh, one at a camp that I've preached at before. And uh, man, I'm telling you, it's a little intimidating. I don't, I don't know how you feel about heights, but I'm very much allergic to them. And so, you know, you're, you're there, and I mean, you are. You're all harnessed in, and you know everything's going to be okay, right? You know it's going to be fine, but there's still some apprehension about it, you know, right? And so they had this rope at this particular one. Now, I'm yet to go on this one, but God willing, this week, I'm going to give it a try, okay? So, so in any case, um, and I hear you can do it at night. Is that right? That's crazy. You can't, you can't even see? Awesome. Okay, let's go. And so, anyways, but this particular one, you have this rope, and you can actually hold on to it. I guess, really, it's just more like a security blanket, you know, or something like that. Almost just like, it gives you some measure of, of security or control or guidance, or I don't know. But really, it's the harness that is holding you. All right, and so you, you can go down, and I, in fact, I had a friend that's a rather muscular guy and, and uh, a Marine, and so he went down, and man, he said, listen, here's what he told me. He said, listen, Brother Jason, just rest in the harness. It'll hold you. You don't have to hold your weight up. He said, I held my weight the whole way down, you know, just, just I mean, he's a Marine. He doesn't have anything to fear, right? But instead of letting the harness hold him, I mean, and he's a tough guy, but he said, man, my arms are shaking. He said, listen, just rest. And I'm glad he said that because there's no way that I was going to hold myself. <laughs> okay? And so in any case, I learned then that you can rest in the harness. It will hold you if you'll just rest in it. Tonight, I want you to see this, that the revelation of God will give you, individually, will give each of you rest if you will just rest in it. Just rest in it. Now, how many, but there's some times when it's kind of scary in life. Are you with me? will rest in it. Hey, listen, we're talking tonight about a dysfunctional family. Has your family got issues? I think every family has issues. You know why? Because wherever there's families, there's people. <laughs> How are we doing? Well, we're going real deep already off the bat, right? Wherever there are families, there's people. And wherever there's people, there's issues. The number required for issues is one. 
All I have to do to have issues is just be with myself. I'm telling you, I've got issues myself, okay? Hey, listen, <laughs> I'm telling you, you're thinking, yeah, you do. You've got issues. I can tell right now. Hey, I'm here to tell you, you've got issues too. Everybody here, you've got issues. You've got, you've got dysfunctional parts of your life. Hey, but I want to thank God in heaven that he's the God who is very functional in a dysfunctional family. And so we're here, and it does not matter what kind of background you're coming from. Hey, it doesn't matter really what your past is. You're here by divine design because there's a God in heaven who knows your name, and he loves you, and he's got a plan for you. And even though things may seem at times chaotic, and things get a little bit confusing as you look ahead. I mean, I remember what it's like being 17. It's been a while back, but I used to be 17. And, and I remember how confusing things were at that time. I mean, I kept a journal and everything, and so I can look back and see even some of the confusion that was there. But I want to thank God that God was there every step of the way. We're talking about a dysfunctional family. We're talking about a man named Israel or Jacob and four wives. I mean, there's enough, there's, there's enough right there for some drama. That's right. And, and you add to tell you, you can be a teenage young person, a teenage young man, a teenage young lady, and live without the drama. For real. <laughs> you got to be convinced of that. This was a very, very dysfunctional family. Hey, check this out. Watch. They knew God, and yet they sinned against him. They knew God. They, I mean, they knew the true and living God, and yet they sinned against him. Some of you have been blessed to grow up in church, but listen, even though you've grown up in church, and though you know God, and you know a lot of things about God, you can still sin against him. And so I, I want to try to preach pretty straight here this week to be a help to you, to, to show you that even though you've maybe been around these things, hey, listen, it's time for you to have a personal relationship with him. That God wants to bless and use every single one of you. I know that he does. And he's got a plan for your life that's way better than whatever you can come up with on your own. And see, this was, a, this was a dysfunctional family, but this was also a family, listen to me, that was at a very pivotal time in their life. You know why? Because God blessed a man named Abraham and said, I'm going to make of you a great nation. I mean, we sing the song, you know, Ab Father Abraham had many sons and many sons had Father Abraham, right? You ever sing that one? Right? Doesn't that bless your heart, okay? And so, in any case, I mean, and, and it's saying, I mean, do you, do you stop, stop and think about this, that we are here tonight in this desert because God spoke to another man in another desert across the ocean named Abraham and told him, I'm going to make of you a great nation, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through you. That's why we're here tonight, because God is faithful to his promises. And so, God told Abraham that I want to bless you and I want to use you. I can stand on the authority of the Word of God tonight and say to you that God truly does want what is best for you. He wants to bless your life, and He wants to use your life. And so God was at work in Abraham's life, and then God worked through all of his issues and his dysfunction, and He worked in the life of Isaac. And Isaac had issues, but God worked in his life as well. And then it went from Isaac to Esau and Jacob. I mean, we're talking about red. His name Esau means red, and he was a really hairy dude. <laughs> I'm just here to tell you. If, you, you remember the story when you remember the story when Jacob uh, deceived his his father and dressed up like his brother, and he and he put the goat's hair on the back of his hands and on the back of his neck. I'm telling you, friend, that if you've got goat's hair on the back of your neck, you are wooed. <laughs> 
I mean to tell you. So here was, you know, this, this Esau uh, Cabela's Bass Pro kind of man. I mean, a man's man. All his daddy's man. I'm telling you, this thing got chaotic, confusing, way beyond what we can even go into tonight and save time for Joseph and his dysfunctional family. But God was still at work. Even though they were making a big old mess of it. Now, I, I tell you what, for a camp is that, listen, that God would intervene in your life during this week and save you a whole bunch of drama and save you a whole bunch of regrets and guilt and baggage. Hey, if God can help you right here, then, then when you're 30-something, you'll look back on it and say, thank God for, for Ironwood and what God did in my, in my life at that week. But I'm saying they're at a pivotal time. Joseph and his brothers... Because Jacob is getting older, and he's about to pass off the scene. So there needs to be a leader in the family. There needs to be someone in the family that, can, that the blessings of God can continue on through. All right, now listen. We're going to start somewhere tonight. And we're going to get somewhere by Friday night. But it's going to be a process. And I'd really like to have everybody come. Everybody. That means you've got to be tuned in and awake. I'm going to do my best to try to keep you awake. All right? I know you had a long day today. You don't sleep, you don't sleep. Is that a deal? We got a deal right there? Yep. Because, listen, this is so important for you to get. I'm convinced in my soul that it's so important for you to get. Because, listen, you are at a very pivotal point in your life. In the next 10 years you're going to make some of your most important decisions. I mean, stop and think about it. How old are you? Twelve. <laughs> I mean, think about it. Ten years from now, you'll be held. Good job. Twenty-two. I mean, think about it. I got married at twenty-two. That's how old I was. Now, some people get married a little bit earlier than that. I think I was twenty-two. I can't remember. Anyways. <laughs> twenty-two. That was a big decision. You know you're supposed to stay together in marriage. Oh, by the way, did you know you can be married and happy at the same time? That's a novel idea, isn't it? Absolutely. Hey, and did you know you're supposed to stay together until it kills one of you? <laughs> isn't that right? I mean, we say it till death do us part. So, and that's a good thing, man. I'm telling you, you're 12 years old. In the next 10 years. I mean, God willing, and, and the way the Lord works in your life. I don't know. I mean, for some, maybe it takes longer than that. But I mean, I'm seriously, in the next 10 years, you're going to decide if you're going to marry, who you're going to marry, where you're going to live, what you're going to drive, whether you're going to go to school or not, if you're going to have kids, how many kids you're going to have, and what you're going to name those kids. <laughs> and they've got to have to live with that name for the rest of their life. That's a big deal. Hey, you are at such a huge, pivotal time of your life. You need some convictions. You need some deep down, soul-stirring, just convictions that, that don't budge, that don't, because it's easy to think about, you know, well, I'll do right. It's easy while we're here, but it's different when you're, when you're out there, and it's Friday night. You know, the reason most people fail instead of succeed is they give up what they want most for what they want at a moment. What do you want most? If I went around here tonight and held a mic to you and I asked you, what do you want most? I guarantee you every young lady in here would say, 
I want to be married. <laughs> Is that right? No. <laughs> Every young man, sure, I want to get married. I want to have a good job. I want to serve the Lord. Hey, is this sounding right? I want to have kids. I, I, you know, maybe some young guy would say, yes, someday I want to have boys because I want to wrestle them. Absolutely. Boys need to be wrestled. Oh, yeah, I can still take them anytime, anywhere. You tell my 14-year-old, you see him. Anytime, anywhere, I'll still take him. Get a little bit more tough, but I'll try. <laughs> hey, what do you want most? Well, listen, don't give up what you want most for what you want on a Friday night. You listen to me tonight? But see, if, if you're going to be ready for Friday night, you've got to have a conviction that goes down deep in your soul. This was a pivotal time for Jacob and his family and who would be the next leader. In fact, as we get to Friday night, you may very well be very, very surprised to find out who the leader of the family is going to be. You'd be very surprised. I was very surprised to see what God did. An unlikely candidate became the leader. It's amazing what God can do if somebody will just yield to him. The family needs some uh, guidance here. God is going to work out his plan. Have I painted the picture enough tonight to where you can see that this is a big deal? And your life is a big deal. Amen. You only have one. You only get one. It's a big deal. So Joseph had dreams. Dreams. You ever have dreams? Aren't the dreams weird? You ever have some dreams and you think like, you wake up, maybe in the middle of the night, and you're thinking, have you ever done that? Like, oh man, I'm so glad. I mean, that, 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 that didn't really happen because that would have been really embarrassing. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know. I have no idea, you know, where dreams come from and why. I mean, we're not here to psychoanalyze you and why you had dreams. It may be you just ate too much pizza way too late at night. I don't know. I don't know. But, but here, you know, Joseph had some dreams. Now, my, my little boy, my Printon, he had a dream. I'm telling you, he's six years old now, but he had this dream. Listen to me. He had this dream when he was three years old, and his dream was this. He dreamed about a giant caterpillar with, you know, those little antenna things that was coming his way like this, that was chasing him down. That's dramatic. So ever since that time, I kid you not, every single night tonight, he'll ask Mama, Mama, would you pray for me? And every single night, ever since he's been three years old, he's prayed this way. Ma he's <laughs> he said, no. <laughs> I want Mama to pray for me. I said, bud, I'm ordained to preach. I'm a pastor. No. <laughs> Mama. So mama has prayed with him every single night that he would not have scary dreams. Well, listen, tonight, if you had a dream about a caterpillar coming your way, you call your mama tonight. Some of you are going to have some scary dreams tonight. Oh, yeah. Hey, Joseph dreamed dreams. Now, the dream that he had 
was not a scary dream. It was just a unique dream. He dreamed that his sheaf, which would be a bundle of wheat that would have been bound together, was in the center, and then the 11 sheaves were around that sheaf, and they, I don't know if he said bros or not, but he said, hey, <laughs> did I just say bros? I said bros. And so he said, hey, I, this was a weird dream. Listen, I don't think for one minute, Brother Ryan, that Joseph was like braggadocious, like everybody's going to bow down to me. <laughs> you might as well get started. I don't, think, <laughs> I don't think that was Joseph's attitude. But Joseph said, listen, I had this dream, and here's what, and, and his brother said, oh, really? I mean, oh, really? <laughs> huh? For real? You think that we are going to bow down to you? Yeah, right. Ha! <laughs> it says Hebrew for whatever. I'm telling you, that's what I dreamed. And, and so then he's, he had another dream. And so he said, well, here's what I dreamed the next night. And he said he dreamed about the sun and the moon and the stars, the 11 stars, and how the sun and the moon, they bowed down to Joseph. And, and again, I mean, they're... they're the Bible says, and you read it, it said that they hated him what? Yet the more. They, they were so tired of hearing about this. Daddy's favorite. I mean, some of you know that your brother's the favorite. Here's what we need to establish here tonight. That those dreams were true in this sense. They are different than the dreams that you'll have tonight about scary caterpillars coming your way. Okay. Joseph's dreams were the revelation of God to Joseph about his family and what was going to happen. Now, I'm using that word, the revelation of God. It was the revelation of God. Now, today, tonight, you and I are privileged to have the eternal, preserved, inspired word of God that is, watch, watch this, the revelation of God. Do you hear what the word revelation, I love this. It means, it means just simply this. It is God to us, sorry, it is God revealing to us who he is, who we are, and where we're headed, and that there's a heaven and there's a hell, and it reveals to us that we are sinners. Listen, this is God's revelation. Amen? Amen. God's revelation. It is indeed. Hey, what is going on even now in our world? It reveals these things unto us. So what about dreams today? I mean, you know, you, every now and then you'll have somebody say, uh, man, I'm having these dreams and I'm having this weird thing going on right now with this. I'm going to take this clip off. Is that all right, Brother Jeff? I think it'll work still. Yep. Okay, we'll see what happens there. Um, so people will have dreams and so they'll say, man, my dream, and God revealed this, and God revealed that. Hey, can I just tell you real quick, violates or goes against what the Word of God says. Listen, we're supposed to go with the Word regardless of what somebody has a dream about, or they have vision, and they went up to Jesus, and they sat in his lap. I mean, people have said something like this out loud with their mouth. <laughs> and it, it goes so much against what the Word of God says. Listen, said it, and God is still saying it. This is what God has said. This is what God says. Today, what God is saying. Okay, so this is the revelation of God. But in Joseph's time, of course, he did not have the Bible. So God chose, as a sovereign God, to communicate to him through the dreams. And so he multiplied the dreams, showing that this, you can rest in it. The revelation of God will give you rest 
in it. Here he comes. That dreamer. Look, behold, dreamer boy comes. I tell you what we ought to do. Let's kill him. Let's kill him. Because if we can kill him, then we'll get rid of his dreams. Why would they want to get rid of dreams? I mean, the dreams were the revelation of who? God. So they're saying we want to get rid of the revelation of God because we don't really like the revelation of God. And so what we want to do is stamp it out. Now, that's essentially what they're saying. They might not have realized all that. Hey, hey, hey. God wanted to do them good. God wanted to preserve their life through Joseph. Now, you know that because you know Bible stories. But God was doing something good, but they saw it as something that ought to be rejected, something that ought to be pushed down, that they don't like, let's stamp it out. You ever been in a swimming pool and you have one of those noodle deals? I don't know if that's a technical name for it or not, but you have one of those noodles, and, and you like try to, if it's very buoyant, you know, you try to push it under, and it's like, comes back up, you push it. <laughs> have you ever been there? And it's like it just keeps coming back up and keeps coming back up. That's how they were with the dream. Let's get rid of this dream. Let's get rid of the revelation of God. Let's, okay, let me just say it this way. Here's basically what they were saying. Get rid of the Word of God. Is that equal to say? The dream being the revelation of God. The revelation of God being the Word of God. So we need to get rid of the Word of God because we don't like what it says. Whoa, stop the bus. That just suddenly sounded very modern. Let's get rid of the word. We don't like what it says. People holding a poster in our country saying, don't tell me what the Bible says as the rainbow flag is flying. Hey, is this the America that you live in? It is, isn't it? People literally saying, don't give me that Bible stuff. That's outdated. That's the revelation of God for another time. No, it's the revelation of God today. Today. The Bible says in Romans chapter 1 that they hold the truth in unrighteousness. The word hold doesn't mean like you and I hold it. We hold it this way and that we consider it to be precious. They hold it. The word, if you look it up, it means this, to suppress. They try to push it down. But here's what I found. Every single time, anywhere, somebody in the Bible tried in a Bible character, like when Jeremiah came and preached the word, and the king said, throw it in the fire. Then here's what God did. He made another copy. Yeah. It's like you try to push it down. I just read this morning in the book of Acts how that they were trying to, they said, now listen, we told you not to preach in this name anymore. You know what they're trying to do? Push it down. But every time they pushed it down, the word came back up, and it came back up, and it came back up, and it came back up. Hey, listen. The Bible, God's Word, is not to be suppressed, but it's rather to be embraced. And the Word of God, the revelation of God, will give you rest if you will rest in it. You still with me tonight? Say amen. amen. Think about this. I mean, just stop and think about it early on here. Daddy, it's terrible. We found his coat. That's all we found. Tore to shreds, blood all over it. Some evil beast. 
Some evil beast, Dad, must have killed Joseph. Okay, now wait, stop. Now, and I'm not going to be hard on Jacob here because I love my sons. And if my two of them came back and said, Dad, something terrible happened to Tyler, or something terrible, then my soul, my, I would be probably overwhelmed. Time out. What did God reveal to Joseph? That he and his brothers, that his brothers rather, and his mom and dad would bow down, in one word, bow down and respect the authority of Joseph. How could they do that if he's dead? The revelation of God will give you rest if you're resting. I'm submitting to you here tonight that Jacob could have said, you know, there must be some mistake because God revealed something to Joseph. And God's word can't be altered here. So sons, I know that it looks bad, but here's what we're going to do as a family. Hey, listen to me. Here's what we're going to do. Here's, here's the conviction. A belief is something you what? Hold. And a conviction is something that what? Holds you. And so listen, family, here's what we're going to do tonight. We're just going to pray to the God of heaven that he might reveal what's happened to your brother. That would have been a total different story. Isn't that right? Judah said this. Very important to our consideration here. Judah said this. Hey, if we kill him, we don't get anything out of it. Let's sell him. So they sold him on eBay. <laughs> Not exactly. They sold him. A group of Mish- uh, Midianites uh, uh, were coming by, and so they sold him to him and sold him into Egypt. Thought they got matter what people try to do to get rid of the revelation of God. You can't destroy God's word. You can't alter it. You can't change his mind about anything. He's a good and gracious God anyways. You don't want to change his mind. He wants what's very best for you. He wants to bless you. He wants to use you. He wants to help you with all the dysfunction that's going on in your life. He wants to give you an expected end. He wants to give you a purpose in life. Listen, he wants to guide you through this very pivotal time in your life. So don't try to refuse God's word, but rather rest in it. I'm going to give you a word as what? True. Apply God's word to you and watch God come through. This Bible will give you the assurance of your salvation. I do not believe for one moment of time that it is God's will for a young person to be troubled and distraught about their salvation and even literally sick. And I've had friends who have made themselves sick and, and have stayed up at night and been so consumed with fear. Saved. The revelation of God will give you rest if you will rest in it. Hey, you know what? This book applied to your life will give you rest in your relationship with your parents. Some of you maybe have some conflict going on back home. Hey, you can't determine what your parents say or do, but you can humble yourself and make sure that you're under God's authority and under His Word. And you watch, as you apply this Word, it'll settle some issues back home. Guarantee it. Hey, listen, you don't have to be fearful. The revelation of God will give you rest if you'll rest in it. I close with this illustration. Somebody told me, if you get a spot on your suit, I know that sounds like so random, but if you get a spot on your suit, and it's a wool suit, it's a 100% worsted wool suit, then you can take wherever that spot is and just rub wool on wool, and it'll come out. I thought, you got to show me. So I had a spot, and sure enough, I took it and did just like that, and that spot came right out. 
hey, listen, it works with what somebody tells you in this life about clothing. That's a totally different issue. But listen, here's what you can do. You can take what God says and apply it to you and watch God come through. Do you have a conviction about God's word? I said that was the last illustration, one more. You know how preachers are. Little boy said to his daddy, he said, Daddy, son, you know it is. He said this, the little boy did. He said, well, Daddy, we better send it back because we're not using it. Hey, are you convinced that this is God's word? If so, then are you letting it guide your life? And are you reading it every single day for yourself? You need, you need, you need to have a conviction about God's word. Father, tonight.